Hello and welcome to the Protect Your Peace podcast. I'm your host, Najee Robbins, a yoga teacher, writer, and former birth doula based in Michigan. And today's episode is about all things restorative yoga. So, hi. It has been a while, or depending on when you are finding your way to this episode, maybe it has not been a while at all. But for me, it has been a while since I have had the space to sit down and continue digging into the rest of this this season with you all. If you are anywhere in the world, which you are, if you're listening to this, then there is a lot going on. There's a lot going on collectively and perhaps for you personally. I find that both things are running side by side and have very much been running side by side in a heightened way over the last couple of years. And so I'm just really glad to be back here recording and we're going to be digging into one of my favorite practices over the next couple of episodes. So before we start to dig in, I want to offer you a reminder, as always, to make sure you've got some hydration nearby, a snack, or maybe it's a full-blown meal if it's been a while since you've eaten and your body is requesting some nourishment in some way, and to spend at least a few moments just noticing your breath. Noticing your body a bit here. Maybe even take some intentional breaths, some deeper ones if that speaks to you. And I'll wait. That's why I'm talking a little bit slower. Do not continue to listen. If your body is requesting something of you, some sort of tending outside of this podcast realm or in addition to this podcast realm, always practice honoring those requests that are arising in your body. This is going to be a space where I remind you to do that, even if it involves pausing this podcast. So I, like I said, I'm really glad to continue this exploration of rest with you. Today, we are going to start the dive into restorative yoga. And I say start because I'm not quite sure if it's possible for me to share about restorative yoga in a single episode. So I really I really did not even try to plot it out that way. This is part one. And if you have any questions at the end of this episode or the end of this next couple of episodes, take note of them. Email me. Send me a voice note. You can find the the link for how to do that in the show notes. Reach out. I would love to dig into your questions and curiosities because that is also how I craft these episodes. And there's definitely going to be kind of a Q&A dive uh, episode before the end of this season. So, so send in your curiosities along the way. So really what I would like to explore over the course of this restorative yoga dive, which I think is pretty reasonable, is to get into what restorative yoga is, what it isn't, and the ways in which this style of practice can help you nurture 
and continue to develop your relationship with rest. Now it can serve as a really beautiful access point to rest and identifying what it is you need in terms of support um, to help that state of rest arise in your system. And so through that, I think we'll also kind of get into how the principles within this style of practice can really expand beyond the postures in a way that can help you to center rest and support for your body for all the parts of you in your overall life. When I first began teaching yoga, I was always drawn to teaching styles that were slower. Like I remember in training being like, I am, I only want to teach slow flow, (laughs) which was like the completely guided, slower moving, holding postures for a handful of breaths style that was offered. But everybody had to start with a vinyasa which was a warmer, more vigorous class. There were lots of words that you had to get out and you were guiding everything at a particular pace. And so this is where I began. And in retrospect, this was actually really helpful for me as a teacher because I think it helped me to develop skills that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise, because you are guiding at such a pace and there's a particular kind of energy and um, clip that you need to teach class at. Um, And so that forced me to really develop being articulate and clear and concise about how I guided things and also bringing a particular type of kind of energy to class that I'm not sure if I would have developed otherwise. And I think that for some folks, when it comes to yoga or um, physical practices, what have you, this is what we are very used to. We are so accustomed to equate doing something with those more vigorous styles of movement and of practice. We don't feel like we've done something unless we are sweating, unless it feels vigorous. How many times can I say vigorous? I feel like I'm going to challenge you to like take a sip of water every time I say the word vigorous (laughs) throughout this episode. Um, But we equate uh, doing something with feeling like our muscles are engaged and they're shaking And sometimes there is something about the slower moving practices, the practices that help us to explore our relationship with with stillness that in some ways can feel more challenging because when we slow down, suddenly all the things that are kind of beneath the surface can sometimes arise. This is not to harp on styles of movement or practice that feel more vigorous, that are more intense, where you are shaking, where you are sweating, there's a place for that. There is a place for that type of movement. And I also think there's a lot of things that can be learned and developed through styles such as those. And there's a lot to explore within the practices that help support us in stillness, in quiet, and in slowing down. And so 
This reminds me of something that Jake Ernst shared recently. I've talked about Jake on the podcast before. He's a writer, a therapist, educator based in Toronto, Canada, and he writes some of my favorite things. And a little while ago on his Instagram, he shared a series of questions, one of which was, how will you slow down in a world that wants you to speed up? And the word that always comes to my mind almost instantly when I think about questions like these is practice. The way we slow down in a world that wants us to speed up is through practice. The way we begin to reshape and retool the world in a way that doesn't center speeding up and doing the most is through practice. Slowing down is a practice. And one of the ways that we connect with rest, I think, is also through practices, through revisiting. In my opinion, almost every single thing we do in life is practice. And one of the things that I love the most about the concept of practice, does practice need to be another hydrating challenge word as well. So every time every time I say practice and every time I say vigorous, it is a reminder to to take a sip of water. Um one of the things that I love the most about the concept of practice is that inherent to it is revisiting. It's simply about revisiting and returning. In its simplest form, practice is about repetition. And perhaps in its most reverent form, it can become ritual. And the more we repeat something, the more accessible it can become. Because it's like we're wearing down a pathway over and over again. We're wearing down a groove in our system. And any habit that you engage in, good or not so good, was birthed from practice through repetition and revisiting. And so... When it comes to rest, there is something that can be really valuable about having, connecting with, integrating practices that serve as an access point for you to rest, that support the state of rest arising. So sometimes I like to think of the state of rest as a response to the right conditions, and restorative yoga is kind of one of the, the places that can serve as a sandbox by which to explore and identify what those conditions need to be for you. It's not the only sandbox, but it's the one we're talking about today. It's a place where you can begin to identify and attune to what your body needs on any given day in order to feel supported, in order to relax, enough for that state of rest to arise in response, right? And for some of us, it can serve as a place to develop the capacity to actually relax enough for rest to start to arise. So restorative yoga is one of the many ways that you can feel into that embodied experience of rest and identify what it is you need in order to support that state arising. So I think of it as one of one of the sandboxes. So we're going to take 
a little break, and then when we get back, we'll dig into how I found my way to restorative yoga and me finally clarifying, okay, what exactly is it? As you may recall, I found my way to restorative yoga after I began leading the teacher training programs at my previous job. I was trying to answer a question that kept coming up. In that first weekend of training, we would go over different styles of yoga, different types of classes that are common to see. And in every round of training, when we got to the difference between restorative yoga and yin yoga, I knew I wasn't clear on what the differences were. I didn't understand at the time what distinguished the style of restorative yoga from other styles, even though I had taken classes or workshops that included the language of restorative. And I also wasn't necessarily seeing any regular classes in my area that were solely called restorative yoga. And so first I took to kind of asking the folks around me. And when I talked to fellow teachers, the range of definitions sort of was either restorative is something that is kind of like a preferential vibe from the teacher. Like restorative is just a class that's taught more gently um, or someone that's like incorporating props to restorative solely being for folks who are injured or who are experiencing certain medical conditions. And me being me, that lack of clarity bothered me, (laughs) especially within the context of teaching this training. And so I followed my curiosity and I took a restorative yoga training, at which point what restorative yoga is and the distinctions of the style and how those distinctions can get very lost became much clearer. So what is restorative yoga? Restorative yoga is a style of practice that centers support, comfort, and ease first and foremost in the body, not just in verbal suggestion, but literally in the way that you are invited to approach the postures. And so in a restorative yoga class, it's not just the verbal cue or cues kind of guiding you towards relaxation. We're not just telling the body to relax. We are providing the conditions in which the body feels safe and supported enough to do so. And by supporting the body physically through the use of props, right, we start there on the most literal and tangible level, that feeling of support can also kind of permeate the other parts of you mentally, emotionally, perhaps on a spiritual level, right? So this means during a restorative yoga practice, you can expect the use of props to physically support the body and the postures, fewer poses, and more time in each posture. I will say that again. (laughs) So in a restorative yoga practice, you can expect the incorporating of props fewer poses over the course of practice, and more time spent in each one of them. 
Now, let me ground this in how I would invite you to approach a posture during a restorative yoga class. Let's take something like Shavasana, for example. If you have taken a yoga class, then you have probably experienced a posture called Shavasana. This is often the final pose that's offered where you're typically invited to lie down on the back with the arms extended alongside the body and with your eyes closed. Now, there's a lot of different ways to approach Shavasana, but we'll take that kind of uh, basic approach as our example. So in restorative yoga, you are supporting the body with props, right? So before you come to lie down, you would first need to set up your props, how you're going to support yourself in the shape. So first and foremost, that would likely include a blanket underneath your head and neck. Super important for your head to feel comfy and supported in each pose. Then you would have a bolster or a pillow underneath your knees for support and a rolled up blanket just above the heels along with something soft to cover your eyes, maybe a blanket to cover the body to stay warm. And that blanket that's underneath your head, once you come to lie down and you kind of get everything else in place, you might take the edges of that blanket and kind of tuck them under and in so you feel like your head is nice and snuggled. So you are essentially setting up a very cozy nest to feel supported in, in each posture, every single one. And this is also one of the reasons why you can expect to do kind of fewer poses in practice is because if it takes a little bit to set each posture up, you really want to be able to have the time to fully settle in and soak it in and really give your body that time to relax and feel supported. The first training that I took was led by a teacher named Gracie. And she defined restorative yoga as profound effortlessness facilitated by props. And I love, I love the use of the word effortlessness because this is how we are approaching the postures in this style of practice. It's all about how can you set yourself up in such a way that your body doesn't have to physically work in the posture. So this means in restorative yoga, we're not aiming to stretch in the poses, nor are we aiming to contract or engage our muscles. Gracie framed either of those things as work, work in the body, to stretch is work. (laughs) To contract, to engage is also work. And so we're aiming to set the poses up in such a way that the body doesn't have to work or that any degree of work that's happening in the body is not at the forefront of your experience in the pose, which may feel a bit unusual. It is a paradigm shift, right? Because we can be so used to in any sort of practice that that is physical or has a physical component that we're not doing something unless we are feeling that sensation of stretch or we are feeling that sensation of being engaged or the sweat forming on our brow. 
I'll get into that more later. But again, the purpose of supporting the body in each posture is to help facilitate a sense of effortlessness and comfort in the body. It's not a feeling that we can just will ourselves to feel. You can't will yourself to feel comfortable. You can't just tell yourself, okay, I'm going to feel effortlessness in the poses, right? We, we need support in order to do so. And that may be a feeling or a space that that feels uncommon to visit or experience in your body that maybe feels unusual to be kind of invited towards in your body. One of my other teachers and a, and a predominant and a restorative yoga teacher by the name of Judith Lassiter says, we work very hard in our lives. And while we may sleep, we rarely take the time to relax. Restorative yoga poses help us learn to rest deeply and completely. And in the first few episodes this season, I talked a bit about sleep and how it's different than the rest that I'm like inviting you to kind of wrap your mind around and explore. We're so accustomed to being in this go, go, go space or it's like sleeping. It's like one or the other. And we don't often explore those spaces in between, that liminal space where the body is deeply relaxed, or maybe even on some level, the body feels asleep. But there's another part of us that's still very much awake and aware. And restorative yoga is one of the practices that explores kind of that space in between, where you can feel deeply supported, deeply relaxed, or at least kind of moving in that direction. And you're not asleep, but you're not like 100% awake either necessarily. The only bit that I would layer onto Judith's quote is that I really believe in, in restorative yoga or any practice that's kind of centering rest, that we're not so much learning to rest as much as we are remembering or connecting with our innate ability to do so. And I'll just say that languaging is really important to me because I fundamentally believe that just as every single body is capable of doing and being in motion and getting things done and creating, so too is the body able to do the opposite. And the body is fundamentally designed to be able to access rest. And so it's not so much that We come to restorative yoga to learn to rest as much as we may, in those experiences, learn what's getting in the way of it, what it is you need in order to access it, what supports that state of rest, that experience for you. It's connecting back to something that your body is already fundamentally equipped to experience to need, to nudge you towards when it needs it, 
that perhaps for a wide variety of incredibly valid and understandable reasons, you've felt distanced from. I really do believe it's it's a remembering. And I think this can kind of be like one of the sticky parts about conversations about rest and relaxation coming more to the forefront of, of conversations with some folks is that perhaps inadvertently, teachers, certain things like end up trying to sell rest back to you that they are the people that are going to teach you to rest, that you'll learn to rest by taking this course or this class or this workshop or drinking this tea. And perhaps I'll discuss that more in another episode. But I don't believe that as a restorative yoga teacher myself, that I'm teaching you how to rest, that I am teaching people how to rest. Your body is born with that knowledge. You already innately know that you need it and innately also know how to access it. Sometimes things get in the way. And I think it's important to pay attention to what the body needs in order to access that space of rest. And that's part of, I think, a huge part of what's being explored within the context of restorative yoga is you're not necessarily learning how to rest. You are learning what conditions or maybe reacquainting yourself with what conditions you need in order for that state to arise. In order to relax, you need safety, support, and time. I will say that again. In order to relax, you need to feel safe, you need to feel supported, and you need time to transition into a more relaxed state, which is like the the precursor for that state of rest to begin to arise, right? If rest were a destination, that sense of relaxation and ease is like the pathway there. And your system or your body doesn't just instantaneously drop into a deep state of relaxation because you told it so. We are shifting into that more relaxed state, or if you remember vocab words from uh, earlier episodes this season, transitioning into that more parasympathetic state while anchored into safety. You have to feel safe enough to relax. You have to feel supported enough to relax. And a huge part of your body, your nervous system assessing whether or not it's safe enough to relax, safe enough for that state of rest to to arise is based on your relationship with what is in your environment. And so one of the fundamental aspects of restorative yoga is creating the conditions for relaxation in your environment. I think of these conditions for relaxation as some of the fundamental principles of the restorative yoga practice because just having you 
get into a pose and be in that pose for 10 minutes is not inherently going to feel relaxing. There are certain things that you need in that posture and maybe need within the conditions of your environment in order to move in that direction of relaxation, in order to feel actually supported, right? In order for your system to feel safe enough to relax. So more broadly speaking, I think these conditions that I'm going to talk about Speak to how your body operates generally, right? So I'm talking about them within a restorative yoga context, but you can also think about these conditions we'll get into in relation to your day-to-day life, which is hopefully what starts to happen as you begin practicing this style or as you begin incorporating kind of any practice that helps you connect with rest is that it starts to go beyond just the like designated time that you are quote unquote practicing, right? So part of the pathway to rest is relaxation. The pathway to rest is bringing the body, the system into a place where it can feel safe and supported enough to relax deeply so that that state of rest can arise. We're not simply telling ourselves to relax, right? We're showing our system that it's safe and supported enough to do so. I keep repeating this because I think it's really important to understand that we don't relax by forcing ourselves to relax. We don't relax simply by being told to relax. If that's all you needed, I think we'd all feel a hell of a lot more rested and relaxed right now. So restorative yoga or not... It's about creating the conditions so that relaxation and rest feels accessible for you. So I will start with what I learned through one of my teachers, Judith Lassiter. So she shares that there are four basic conditions for relaxation. Quiet, still, dark, and warm. All four of these things are, they're all nonverbal cues, if you will, from our environment that we're providing the body to cue our system, our body moving in the direction of relaxation. So let's talk about the first three for a second. When it comes to quiet, still, and dark, these are all about decreasing external stimulation. They're all about, right, if we think about quiet, it's giving our ears a break. When we think about dark, it's giving our sense of sight a break. So it's like we're turning the volume knob down on the things around us that will keep the body, our senses on alert or our attention sort of pulled away. Warm is also about the environment and is important because A, it's difficult to relax when you feel cold and B, when your body begins to relax, it naturally cools a bit. So this is why it's often encouraged in a restorative yoga practice to make sure that you've got an additional blanket nearby to cover the body if you want it. How you explore quiet, still, dark, and warm 
is also something to learn. The more that you explore the practice of restorative yoga, the more that you'll learn and attune to what it is that you need to feel relaxed and supported. So I think of quiet, still, dark, and warm, all of them as kind of being on this dimmer switch or like a volume knob, meaning the degree to which each of these things or how these things are present in, in your environment is up to you. And it's ultimately about what feels supportive for you and your system. So for example, playing music during practice means it's not going to be completely quiet, right? But for some, it may be the introduction or the inclusion of something that feels quieter, that's a type of stimulation to the ear that feels relaxing, that feels supportive, that doesn't read the same way as the the sound of something else, right? Or sometimes you're invited to place something soft over the eyes during practice so that it is completely dark when you settle into the pose. And for some of us, that's not going to necessarily feel relaxing or may feel more alerting in some way. So perhaps it's simply about closing the eyes or having something placed over the eyes that still lets in some of some of the light, right? So it's about attuning, paying attention to, to where that dimmer switch needs to be for you. What does quiet mean for you? in the environment you're creating? What does stillness mean for you? What does dark mean for you? What does warm mean for you, right? Those are all things that you get to kind of identify and and pay attention to each time you practice. And sometimes what what I find in, in incorporating these four elements into practice is like sometimes we just need to create the conditions for our body and our system to relax and then let the body do what it inherently knows how to do. Your body inherently knows how to rest. It's about removing the obstacles, attuning to and paying attention to what helps you feel safe and supported in the environment that you're in. And part of restorative yoga is about that inquiry, is about that exploration. It's not just about relaxing and resting. It is, in part, part of the learning curve is about learning what it is you need in order to feel that way in your body. Because remember, our systems are show, not tell. This is why it's really difficult to think yourself out of how you're feeling, to think your way into relaxing. You can't simply tell yourself to relax. I'm not going to say that that doesn't work on some level sometimes, (laughs) but I think it's important to understand that you also have to honor the conditions that your body needs to to be in in order for relaxation to be possible so that your body knows that it's safe to relax. We don't need to white knuckle our way through the experience or endure something that doesn't 
ultimately feel like it's serving those conditions of relaxation, those right conditions for us. I think that sometimes we can kind of get stuck in that place where we're told that something is supposed to feel relaxing. But if it ultimately doesn't feel relaxing for you, if it ultimately doesn't feel supportive for you, that's what's important to pay attention to. It's not that there is this sort of one size or one approach that fits all and fits every single person. It's about having that space to kind of uncover and attune to and start to pay attention to what does quiet need to be for me in order to relax? What sort of support do I need in order to move towards stillness? What's the level of of light or darkness in the space that I need to actually feel like, oh, okay, my body can, can relax a bit more? What do I need in order to feel warm? So it's not about incorporating these conditions or kind of meeting these conditions for relaxation in this super fixed, binary way. I think it's about exploring these conditions of relaxation with curiosity and through agency more than anything. Choice. The choice, the curiosity, the agency by which to explore what it is you need in order to truly feel comfortable and supported in your body in the shape. Either way, most of us need some degree of quiet, still, dark, and warm in the environment we're practicing in in order to feel relaxed in order to move in that direction of relaxation. But the way that you incorporate those elements is yours to discover and play with in your practice over time. But those are the ways in which we support ourselves in terms of the environment that we are creating and practicing in. Now, one of the other key ways in which we support ourselves and support ourselves in feeling more comfortable during practice is in a very tangible, literal way, which is through props. And props have a bit of a learning curve to them, which is why I consider props to be one of the three main learning curves I've observed and experienced in the restorative yoga practice, which is exactly what I'll be breaking down in part two of our dive together. And so this is where I'll pause today to give you some space to digest and to explore this curiosity I want to nudge you towards and leave you with. Between now and next episode, get curious about your conditions for relaxation. As you move through the day, as you move through the week, Pay attention to what environments, relationships, people, items, spaces support your nervous system, your body in moving towards that state of ease and relaxation. What supports you? What conditions do you need in order for you to start to feel that state arise? Even if you just move towards it a little bit. Take note of it. Maybe you start making a list 
open up the notes app in your phone and take note. I think we could all use a bit more ease nowadays, a bit more spaciousness. And so offer your attention to those moments and see if you can start to weave a bit more of that into how you spend your time and what you offer your attention to. So I'll see you back here soon for part two, where we dive into the three learning curves of restorative yoga. The Protect Your Peace podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by yours truly, Najee Robbins, and the theme music is by Somatics. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources mentioned during today's episode. And before you go, I want to share three simple ways to support my work. Number one, sign up for my newsletter if you haven't already. This is where you can access on-demand rest practices, including restorative yoga classes, get a heads up about my monthly teaching schedule, workshops, curated playlist and more. Number two, if you want to stay in the loop on future episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. You can also leave a rating and review as well. This really does help. And third, if you have the monetary resources to support financially and you really enjoyed this episode, then head to protectyourpeace.yoga backslash support and leave me a tip. Last but not least, and perhaps the most important bonus support item, if there was something about today's episode that connected with you, share it with a friend via link or conversation. This is probably one of the best ways to support this podcast and my work in general is to share it with folks in your life who you think would enjoy it and feel supported by it. And then tell me about your conversations and discoveries. This podcast is a collaborative effort with all of you. So you can always send me a message, an email, a voice note with any questions, curiosities, or stories that come up. Between now and next episode, please know I am sending you so much support and encouragement to hydrate, to nourish yourself in the ways that you need it, to stop doom scrolling, and to devote time to rest in the ways that your body is craving it. Thank you again for being here. I'll see you back soon.